We all know the scene. Wyatt, Virgil, and Morgan Earp are walking the streets of Tombstone when they're confronted by a visibly inebriated Johnny Ringo. He informs the trio that he wants their blood and their souls, and he wants them now. Wyatt refuses to fight, says there ain't no money in it, and he tells Ringo to go sober up, as he and his brothers turn and walk away. At this point, Johnny really begins to rage. Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? And that's when Doc steps out. Oh, yeah. Fingers dancing close to the butt of that holstered revolver. Another pistol concealed behind his back. He'd been watching events unfold from a nearby barber's chair, and once Ringo blurts out his bold invitation, Holiday decides he wants to play. And you know what he says next. Or at least I should say you think you know. 1994's Tombstone remains an iconic movie that produced many an iconic phrase. One in particular that people have been quoting nonstop for the past three decades. A simple idiom now emblazoned on t-shirts, hoodies, whiskey tumblers, keychains, shot glasses, bottle openers, beanies, baseball caps, even fuzzy socks. In my kitchen right now is a coffee mug with this famous expression printed on it in big, bold letters. But are those letters wrong? Are we wrong? Is this some sort of Mandela effect? Did our ears betray us? Or are there simply some among us pretending to be smarter than they really are? What the hell did Val Kilmer, a.k.a. Doc Holliday, really say? And what should he have said? You called down the thunder? Well, now you've got it. My name's Josh, and you're listening to the Wild West Extravaganza. I toyed around with how to start this episode, but I think we can dispense with the long preamble. This myth, in my opinion, has gone on long enough, so I think it's time to put this one to rest. The phrase is Huckleberry, or to be precise, I'm your Huckleberry. It's always been Huckleberry, and it'll always be Huckleberry. The scene I previously highlighted has Doc stepping out and telling Ringo, I'm your Huckleberry, that's just my game. Meaning you want to play for blood, I'm your man. That's just the type of contest I enjoy participating in. That's what I and millions of others have intuitively gotten out of that scene over the years, and we all heard Doc say Huckleberry. But somewhere along the line, word began spreading that what Holiday really said in the movie was I'm your Hucklebearer. Huckle being another name for the handles of a casket, and in some areas a Hucklebearer was just another way of saying pallbearer. In other words, given the deadly context of the confrontation there on the streets of Tombstone, Doc was telling Ringo that he was about to send him to his grave. Now, I don't know where this theory originated, but it is unquestionably, irrefutably, incontrovertibly, and without a doubt, incorrect. And what's more, I can 100% prove that it's incorrect. From this day hence, no longer will we second-guess ourselves, no matter what some rando on the internet has to say. First off, we can go straight to the horse's mouth, so to speak. Val Kilmer is the actor who portrayed Doc Holliday in Tombstone, and he has spoken out about the controversy. Hell, he even wrote a book titled I'm Your Huckleberry, a memoir. And within its pages, Kilmer writes, quote, By the way, despite some fans' contention that in the 1800s the handles of caskets were called huckles, and thus the word hucklebearer was a term for pallbearer, I do not say I'm your hucklebearer. I say I'm your huckleberry, connotating... I'm your man, you've met your match, end quote. And if that's not enough for you, back in November of 2014, Kilmer responded to a fan on Twitter by saying, quote, I say both I'm your huckleberry and I'll be your huckleberry. I say it twice in the film, end quote. But Josh, maybe he read the script wrong. I knew you were going to say that. Good thing we still have the script. 
You can find it online if you'd like to double check for yourself, but I'll do you one better. Thanks to my new best friend, David Lambert, I have seen the original script, written by the late, great Kevin Jar, same guy who wrote the screenplay for Glory. And sure enough, it says Huckleberry, plain as day. And Mr. Jar didn't just make up the Huckleberry line. He was tipped off by ERP historian Jeff Morey, as evidenced in John Farkas's The Making of Tombstone. In the book, Jeff describes telling Kevin Jar, quote, I don't know if you're going to cover the confrontation between Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo, but if you do, be sure to use the line from Walter Noble Burns' book, Tombstone. I'm your Huckleberry, that's just my game. End quote. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. The very interesting Walter Noble Burns wrote Tombstone and Iliad of the Southwest in 1927, just a couple years after finishing his famous biography on Billy the Kid. And sure enough, in the book Tombstone, Burns describes the standoff between Ringo and Doc. Once again, hat tip to David Lambert for sending me a screenshot of the exact page. They say you're the gamest man in the Europe crowd, Doc, Ringo said. I don't need but three feet to do my fighting. Here's my handkerchief. Take hold. Holiday took a quick step toward him. I'm your Huckleberry Ringo, replied the cheerful doctor. That's just my game. You're starting to get the picture, right? We got a clear line all the way from 1927 to 1994. Walter Noble Burns published that story, whether it's true or not, using the term Huckleberry. Decades later, Jeff Morey reads it and ultimately passes the knowledge along to Kevin Jar, who included it in his screenplay. The script ended up in the hands of Val Kilmer and three, two, one, action. Here we are today, the phrase Huckleberry forever immortalized. End of discussion. The only argument now remaining is whether or not it should have been Huckleberry. And this is where things really get interesting. I was actually surprised by what I found. First of all, let me just clarify. There's no way to prove that the real Doc Holliday ever said either Huckleberry or Hucklebearer or anything of the sort. However, Walter Noble Burns and Wyatt Earp did know each other. The author visited Wyatt's home in Los Angeles in 1926, and the former lawman would ultimately end up sharing some information, including an 11-page letter that recently sold at auction for $16,000. I have not read the letter, nor do I pretend to know the specifics as to what was discussed between the two men. It's possible that Wyatt Earp himself shared the story about Doc and Ringo, and that Walter Noble Burns wrote it down verbatim. It's also possible that somebody else who was an eyewitness shared the tale with Burns. And yeah, it's even possible that the author completely fabricated the entire ordeal. Wherever the truth lies, one could envision a scenario where, just for argument's sake, Wyatt Earp described the near fight between Doc and Ringo, and he used the phrase Hucklebearer. Burns could have misheard and erroneously jotted down Huckleberry, and here we are today. That could have happened. Likewise, if Burns invented the story. Perhaps at various times during his life, he had heard people with thick southern accents use the phrase Hucklebearer. And when it came time to write down that particular expression in his book, he wrote it down wrong as Huckleberry. This is possible. And as such, there could be a case to be made that Val Kilmer, aka Doc Holliday, should have said Hucklebearer. That had he done so, it would have made more sense and would have been more historically accurate. However, for this to be true, we would need some sort of evidence that Hucklebearer was ever actually used by anyone. You know, some sort of historical precedent or context. Maybe if we could find the phrase in old newspaper articles, books, poems, stuff like that. Hell, maybe even a dictionary? You know, I think that would go a long way. If Hucklebearer was as common an expression as certain people claim, then surely there'd be something we could point to, right? And therein lies the problem. As far as I can tell, 
And please do email me with any corrections, josh at wildwestextra.com. But as far as I can tell, there is no proof that the term Bear was ever a thing. I can find absolutely zero evidence that it was a phrase prior to the movie Tombstone and this rumor being circulated. The popular off-sided theory is that huckles were another name for coffin handles, right? But where does this information come from? What's the source on this? I mean, you ever try Googling it? Ever try to find a definition? Because I sure as hell can't find anything even hinting as such. Merriam-Webster, whoever she is, lists a huckle as being a hip or a haunch. Likewise with Collins English Dictionary and Dictionary.com. I found zero listings in Encyclopedia Britannica for Huckle, and on Wikipedia, it just points to surnames. I went so far as doing an advanced Google search for the word Huckle, while at the same time excluding the words Tombstone and Huckleberry. And my only results were the definitions I just relayed, haunch or hip, a bunch of people with the last name Huckle, and some cartoon on YouTube called Hooray for Huckle. FYI, the only reason I excluded those terms, Tombstone and Huckleberry, is because if you do just a regular Google search for Huckle, every single thing you find is going to be in reference to the movie Tombstone and the Huckleberry-Hucklebearer debate. Everything. And not a single article, social media post, or discussion ever points to an original source. The only listing I could find online pertaining to a Huckle in regard to caskets that had nothing to do with the movie Tombstone comes from a funeral parlor website that describes a casket huckle as, quote, a type of fastener used to secure the lid of a casket, end quote. So even with this, we don't even have the whole handle thing. I really thought this was going to be some sort of a gray zone. Like, I'd probably find a ton of info showing that, okay, a huckleberry was indeed a common southern phrase used to describe pallbearers. And ultimately, it'd just be a matter of interpretation. Like, what do you think Val Kilmer was trying to say, and what phrase do you think better fits the context? But no, I'm not exaggerating here. There is absolutely nothing pointing to the legitimacy of the imaginary Huckleberry. It's as if this is just a made-up, imaginary term. Once again, if I'm missing something, please chime in here and let me know. Because I'm starting to think that a significant amount of people are just flat-out talking out of their asses. And whereas there's no historical context to Huckleberry, the same cannot be said about the expression Huckleberry. Unlike Huckleberry, there is proof that Huckleberry was in common parlance during the 19th century and in the exact same context that Doc Holliday was using in the film Tombstone. It's worth pointing out that the idiom has had many different meanings over the years. There's I'll be the Huckleberry over your persimmon or Huckleberry below a persimmon, which denotes that a certain act or feat is beyond one's capabilities. Then there's the usage of Huckleberry in describing a young boy and even a person of little importance. There's even a story, not sure how true this is, of a knight coming to the aid of a damsel in distress and draping a garland of Huckleberries over his lance, meaning that he would be her champion. And finally, the meaning we're all looking for, Huckleberry was absolutely used as a phrase to convey that you were the right man for the job, or up to a particular challenge or task. And what's more, Huckleberry was used in this fashion during the time that the real-life Doc Holliday was alive. There's an excellent article on OldWest.org, link in the show notes, written by a D.T. Christensen that lays out some great examples of the phrase being used in such a fashion. Christensen writes in part, quote, In 1877, a Missouri newspaper printed the poem Sweetheart of the Period, which included the lines, I whispered bending down my head, your lips are like a cherry. She took my meaning, laughed, and said, well, I'm your Huckleberry. 
In July of 1881, the Nebraska Herald ran a story about one dude offering another dude a bet based on which mule would be faster in some sort of extraordinarily boring-sounding mule race. And the latter dude took him up on it saying, well, Mr. Mink, I'm your huckleberry. When a temperance lecturer in 1879 failed to get any pledges on a trip to Michigan, the fair bell of the town offered a kiss to whoever signed up first. Sis, I'm your huckleberry. What's your pledge? Asked one tall boy. The rest was history, and the pledges flowed like the alcohol they would no longer be drinking. Good times were likely not had by anyone. Finally, an 1873 purveyor of flour and cornmeal in Nebraska ended their newspaper ad with, If you want number one choice family groceries that will please everybody, we are your huckleberry. End quote. And there you have it. 1873, 1877, 1879, and 1881. From Michigan to Nebraska to Missouri, a phrase so well known that it was even used in advertisements. Not only is it likely that both Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo would have been familiar with this phrase, but it's damn near certain. Unlike the expression Huckleberry, which at this point seems to be a completely made-up internet rumor. When we as human beings learn something new, an interesting little factoid, we like to share it. It's only natural, and we all do it. God knows I've shared some Whoppers in my day. I mean, how many times have I told people that Paul from the Wonder Years grew up to be Marilyn Manson? Remember that one? Or you ever hear the story about how Mr. Rogers was a Special Forces sniper back in Vietnam, and the reason he wore those sweaters was to cover up his tattoos? Oh yeah, I repeated that. And what about when our ears betray us? Hell, for years I thought the lyrics to ACDC's Dirty Deeds were Thunder Chief and the Forty Thieves. Thunder Chief and the Forty Thieves. How about that song Blinded by the Light? You gonna tell me it doesn't sound like he's saying wrapped up like a douche? We hear what we hear, and we only know what we know, right? And as far as casual conversation goes, it's not only impractical to constantly be fact-checking yourself, but it's socially awkward. You ever been around that one guy who, you know, every time somebody says something, he wants to pull out his phone and try to prove him wrong? Like, bro, just calm down. We're talking, and you're over here quoting the wealth of nations. So that's not how I want to come off here. I'm not trying to make anybody look or feel stupid while at the same time elevating myself to some sort of higher realm of intelligence. I'll be perfectly honest. I had no idea what the term Huckleberry meant either. It just sounded like some cool shit for Val Kilmer to say. In the great scheme of things, none of this matters, and unless you have a podcast, you probably have better things to do with your time to investigate stuff as silly as what an actor did or did not say in a movie. You hear the Hucklebearer explanation, and if you deem the source even semi-credible, you file it away and move on. A couple weeks later, maybe you casually share it with somebody else. And on and on it goes. I found a video on YouTube where a very nice lady, a mortician, is very calmly explaining what a huckle is while using a real casket as a prop. She's got over 100,000 subscribers. She's speaking confidently and with an air of authority. And like I said, she's a mortician. If anybody knows what the parts of a casket are called, it would be her, right? So why wouldn't you believe her at face value or just take her word for it? So we do. You know, we believe what people say and then we repeat their stories to somebody else. And then those people do the same. I have no reason to think that anyone is being malicious here. It's just people simply sharing what they think is a fun, interesting fact. That said, there is a certain small percentage of people who do try to very smugly use this false information to make themselves sound a little smarter than they are. And if they need to make you feel stupid during the process, well, I guess that's just how the cookie crumbles. If you're doing this, just know that we see you. 
No, you did not watch Tombstone for the first time and immediately know that Val Kilmer was saying Huckle Bearer and that a Huckle is the handle of a casket. You didn't know this because it's fucking not true. This is not something that you grew up hearing your meemaw saying. So stop pretending that this is just common knowledge. It's not. It's just something that you heard that you didn't double check. And now you're repeating it as if you're the genius that discovered it. You know it. And now we know it. Hey, real quick. Sorry to cut in like this. I'm recording this part a few days after I recorded what you just heard. I just want to clarify who I'm talking about. The people acting like they know what Hucklebearer is and putting down those who don't. That doesn't apply to almost everybody listening right now. Hell, it doesn't even apply to like 99.9% of the people who have unwittingly shared the Hucklebearer myth. I'm talking about the few that you see online, mostly social media or the hellscape known as YouTube comments, who are very snide and smug and just sometimes downright insulting. So yeah, I'm not talking down to people who share the Hucklebearer theory, just the ones who do so while being a dick. Alright, back to the episode. With all that said, I am still very curious as to where this myth originated. I've reached out to a few people. Hell, I even contacted Bob Bozbell of True West Magazine, and he doesn't know either. I'm sure an internet sleuth would be able to locate an article or maybe an interview somewhere from like the late 90s that would give us more of a clue. But unfortunately, my Google skills aren't at that level. I was able to possibly locate the first time the Hucklebearer myth was espoused on Twitter. I won't mention the guy's handle, but way back in 2008, he tweeted, Tombstone, important definition. A huckle is the handle on a casket. So the dot quote is, I'm your huckle bearer. Make sense, question mark? You are welcome. End of quote. 2008, that's over 14 years ago. That tweet's so old, it's about to get its driver's permit. And the crazy thing is, this guy's still active on Twitter. He's an older gentleman, but I did hit him up, asking if he possibly remembers where he first heard the Hucklebearer story. He was kind enough to reply and said he can't remember, but it was probably from his brother Dan. Fucking Dan. So in lieu of locating a patient zero, I am going to blame all of this on Dan. And I might pin some other crimes on him as well. We'll see. So just to reiterate, there are no credible or even semi-credible sources linking the word Huckle to a part of a casket, and I could unearth no evidence that the term Hucklebearer has ever been used in reference to a pallbearer. I could, however, find several incidents where the phrase Huckleberry was used in the same exact way that Doc used it to convey the whole quote-unquote I'm your man or I'm the right man for the job sentiment. Furthermore, we have also shown that this idiom was used in the same fashion during Doc Holliday's life and that the real Doc Holliday would almost certainly have been familiar with its meaning. We can see plain as day that it was written in Walter Noble Burns' book in 1927. And finally, Val Kilmer himself, the man who read the line on camera, says it's Huckleberry. Hell, he even signs his autograph with Huckleberry. So no, not only is it not Huckleberry, but it should not be Huckleberry. There's no workaround on this one. There's no but Josh. As far as all credible evidence goes, it appears the Huckleberry theory was invented wholesale out of thin air sometime after 1994, End of story. So you go out there and proudly wear your Huckleberry t-shirt and drink Huckleberry tea out of your Huckleberry mug. You deserve it. And the next time some rando on the internet tries to correct you, you just send them a link to this episode. All right. And while we're on the subject, I uh, don't think I've ever unironically used the phrase, I'm your Huckleberry. But I have on many, many occasions repeated other lines from Tombstone. It's just one of those quotable movies. For example, to this day, if I'm getting really frustrated, I repeat Billy Bob Thornton's line. It's like I'm sitting here playing cards with my brother's kids or something, you nerve-wracking sons of bitches. 
So what are your favorite quotes from Tombstone? What lines do you find yourself repeating? WildWestExtra.com and hit that contact button. I'll try to read a few of your responses on the next episode. Okay, so myth busted as far as I'm concerned. If this is your first time ever listening to the Wild West Extravaganza, this is not indicative of most episodes. Normally, we devote an entire show or series to one real-life individual or event from the Old West and do sort of a deep dive. But it's Christmas time, so I figured why not have a little fun. If you're interested in more true tales from the Wild and Wooly West, head on over to WildWestExtra.com or follow the Wild West Extravaganza wherever you listen at podcasts. Also, if you were just here for the Huckleberry Discourse, feel free to check out as the rest of this episode will have nothing to do with that. This is where I toot my own horn for a few minutes and express my eternal gratitude to all of you regulars who not only keep me motivated, but have helped me get the podcast where it is now. In the year 2021, the Wild West Extravaganza received a total of 150,442 downloads. However, in just the past 11 months, I was able to double that number. From January 1st to the end of November, we have received 328,572 downloads, bringing the all-time download number to over half a million. And it's all because of you. Now, these are what the industry calls IAB downloads, and they only count via streaming or podcast apps or sites. I know many of you quote-unquote watch on YouTube. Well, over the past 365 days, the Wild West extravaganza has gained over 6,600 subscribers. That means my subscriber count has almost doubled from this time last year. Over 800,000 views this year, which YouTube tells me is a 28% increase from the previous year. Covered a lot of ground this year and had a lot of fun doing so. And once again, thanks to you, specifically the patrons, we were able to give over $300 away to charity. I know I've said this a thousand times, but when I first started this podcast, I did not think anybody was going to listen. This was purely an experiment and just sort of a creative outlet. Hell, I didn't even take it seriously for the first couple of years. That said, it turns out that podcasting on a consistent basis, when you're trying your best to put out quality content, tends to be a lot of hard, time-consuming work. So if you weren't out there listening and let me know that you're listening, there's no way in hell I would have kept on doing this. The Wild West extravaganza would have simply faded away into the night and I'd be doing what I was doing before, quietly reading books and sharing random Old West trivia with people who could not care less. So what's next? I already announced that we'll be kicking off the new year with a couple of one-off episodes, one of which will be taking a look at Wyatt Earp's boxing scandal and his time in Hollywood, before diving into the life and times of the mountain man Jim Bridger. I do have a tentative list of topics I plan on focusing on during 2023. I'm not going to share them uh, yet, as they could change, and I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. But there will be no shortage of Old West content going forward, believe that. And my goals for the Wild West extravaganza is to continue to grow, both the size of the audience and the quality of content I'm putting out. I know full well I'm not for everybody. I don't have a college degree. I'm not particularly eloquent. Hell, I can't even pronounce Calvary. I don't properly enunciate. I use naughty language. I don't show certain topics the reverence that others feel they deserve. And I don't have sound effects. But my personal goal is to be so good that they can't ignore me. And I feel like with you having my back, I can do just that. Now, am I daydreaming just a little bit over here? Absolutely. It is next to impossible to quote-unquote make it as a podcaster. Couple that with a serious case of imposter syndrome, and it's quite the task. Will this podcast be my ticket off the forklift or open up opportunities for me to pursue my dreams? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. 
I do know that when I take a step back and I look at the growth that we had over this past year, I can't help but to get excited. And I am fully aware that that growth, in large part, comes from you. Suggesting the podcast to other people, sharing it, spreading the word. So truly, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for listening, for downloading, for streaming, for spreading the word. Thank you for your comments and emails, the support. It absolutely keeps me going forward. And with that, I hope you and your families have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy whatever you feel like celebrating. Looks like it's going to be a frozen holiday for many of us here in the States, so please stay safe, stay warm, and I will see you next year. Adios. Nerve-wracking sons of bitches.